All right, so this is a bonus episode of the Uptime Podcast. Lucky you, uh, because Rosemary uh, is talking about blade recycling. And there's a lot of uh, new blade recycling initiatives around the world, and particularly in Europe, uh, where six re- blade recycling factories will be built between now and 2030. Now, there's a, a lot of uh, questions about what the right approach is, which is the lowest carbon dioxide method to, to recycle blades. Should we bury them? Should we not bury them? Should we turn them into furniture? This is a really good bonus episode. Well worth listening because there's a, a lot of good viewpoints about this. I'm Alan Hall, president of WeatherGuard Lightning Tech, and I'm here with my good friend from Wind Power Lab, Joel Saxon, and the soon-to-be guest host of the Fully Charged Live event in Australia, Rosemary Barnes, and this is the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast. Well, Rosemary, Denmark-based Continuum is planning to build six large-scale wind turbine blade recycling facilities all across Europe. Uh, the first factory is scheduled to be built in southwest Denmark, of course. Why worse? Build anywhere else. Uh, and it's going to be in operation at the end of 2024, end of next year. Uh, the second factory is planned for the UK. It's going to be um, all six factories, they think, are be done by 2030, right? So they're actually going to meet a 2030 goal. Uh, each factory can uh, process a minimum of 36,000 tons of blades a year. That's a lot of blades. And they're going to turn this into construction material. It doesn't sound like they're going to burn it. It sounds like they're going to chop it up and add it to concrete or other um, construction-related materials to reinforce them, make them better. You got fiber in there, right? So that makes sense. You could chop it up and reinforce different things. Question is, with GE slash LM working on recyclable blade resins, same thing for Siemens Gamesa. They've got this super breakdownable resin for these recycle blade projects. Does this all make sense? If, you're, if I'm going to build a factory to recycle blades and they're going to make blades recyclable in a different way coming up like now, there seems like there's a mix of technology and factories going in the wrong direction. Which one is the right path? Well, I think the eventual right path is to have blades that are really easily recyclable. But in the meantime, we need a way to recycle all the blades that already exist. And so this would be be that method. I haven't seen too many details of it because already, I mean, there's already ways to recycle blades, depending on what your definition of recycling is. Pretty sure in Germany it's already illegal to send them to landfill and so they're processing them all in the smelt cement kiln. Um, so that's one way of doing it. Um, you can also, yeah, I mean, there's a the range of things you can do. You can shred them and um, put them into like, kind of like low um, structural requirements applications like um, they put them in decking material or they can make them into... I don't know, composite panels for truck beds or dashboards, stuff like that, that doesn't really have too much structural requirement. So it's okay to, yeah, just kind of like shred, shred the fibers. Um, this process I'm assuming is different to those, but I haven't actually seen enough detail to say for sure. Uh, but I think it's, it is really interesting um, with blade recycling, people really hate to put them into landfill 
But in terms of CO2 emissions, that's probably the best thing that you can do with them just about because while they're in landfill, they're, you know, all the carbon that's in them is, is, is staying underground. Um, if you burn it, for example, then instead of landfill, then you are using air fill, you know, the, the CO2 is going into the atmosphere, which isn't, isn't helpful. So you kind of, people tend to conflate the two issues of, um, of plastics and plastic waste um, with climate change, kind of assuming that what's one, good for one is good for the other. And in so many cases, mm. it's kind of actually attention. They're, they're in opposition. I did see with this um, this method, this new new method that Continuum has, they're saying that it's um, CO2 neutral. Uh, I haven't seen the details, so I don't know how they arrive at that. And, you know, it is sometimes people call things CO2 neutral, but it's really because they, you know, paid a farmer in Zimbabwe to not cut down a tree or something stupid like that. Um, so I would like to see more details. Um, but that's at least, you know, um, better than than the norm. I was um, just listening to a, a Bloomberg NEF podcast yesterday. I think it's called Switched On. It's pretty pretty good one. Not as good as ours, obviously, but, you know, second option if people want to find another another podcast to listen to. Um, and this episode was on petrochemicals and trying to reduce emissions from that industry. And one of the experts that they had on did mention that, um, yeah, if you burn, uh, one of the, the biggest problems with decarbonizing petrochemicals is the end of life um, stuff. Um, and obviously if you, if you burn plastics, um, then you're going to release that CO2 into the atmosphere. But he also mentioned that there's, um, some recycling methods. I mean, all recycling methods have some CO2 emissions and some kinds of chemical recycling actually, um, have higher emissions associated with them than if you just burnt the, the plastic. So, um, get out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds it sounds super green. It sounds like, you know, no brainer. Of course, we should be recycling all our plastics. But if you're primarily concerned about climate change, then it's it's definitely not that straightforward. Um, and I okay. personally think like if you've got if you're not land constrained, you know, like the US and Australia, we actually don't have too much problem with running out of space for landfill. It's not a bad place to store store the blades, you know, while we come up with better recycling methods. I'd rather see blades in landfill than, um, you know, the all the carbon in them emitted into the atmosphere. That's for sure. Europe's a bit of a different question because they do struggle to find space for landfill. And um, right. yeah, so that they they have other reasons for not wanting to do that. But it is one of those topics where. Yeah, it sounds really obvious that if you, you know, love the environment, then of course you should want to recycle everything. It's not always better for the for climate change though. Upcycling. That's my favorite, right? When someone's taking these turbines and turning them into chairs and desks and, mm. and park benches and stuff, I think it's yeah. super cool. Oh, yeah. But to, you know what my problem with it is is I talked to someone the other day that was like, check this desk out. And I was like, man, that desk is sweet. It had like the trailing edge slid out and was for your keyboard um, and it was and I was like, well, how much for it? It's like thirty five hundred bucks. Like, hey, who's paying that for a desk? Yeah, <laughs> like, I hope they um, 
I hope they covered up the carbon fiber world. Yeah, <laughs> stuff they, is so they, itchy. Yeah, it's not like a surface I would want to be laying my hands all over right. every day. They did a fantastic job on it. Like the, the the desk itself was, they had even like refinished the gel coat, so it was like a matte finish almost on it, and they yeah. covered the ends and like sanded it well. And the it was it was done really well. And like the legs were made out of parts of the sheer webs and stuff like that, but like you know smoothed out and whatnot. Oh. Um, and it, and it had the power thing in it. You could go up and down with it, but oh, that's a must. Yeah, yeah, sit, oh sit yeah. Stand is a must, especially if you if you've got a baby who wants to nap on you all yeah. the time. Then that's the way you can get some stuff done with a baby in the carrier <laughs> and standing up at at the sit stand desk. Highly recommend. I did actually talk to some architectural firm a little while ago, and actually, it's just reminded me that um, we never went anywhere. I should follow up, but they wanted to make like um facades mm -hmm. and you know like architectural features yeah. out of bits of uh wind turbine blades and they look they look so cool if you cut them in cross sections so you can see the layers of glass right. um it looks really nice they were gonna you know like make some nice paneling out of it but it, it is kind of gimmicky it's not an environmental solution it's more just like it's it's a cool product um they look cool it makes you you know reminds you that you know it's something to do with clean energy and that that gives you warm fuzzy feelings but it's not a recycling solution like um i, I get kind of irritated when you you see in your social media feed oh here's a bike shelter made from a wind turbine blade see you can do something with it it's like how many bike One shelters blade, yeah. do you actually yeah. need or like playground yeah. equipment or what like is every single pedestrian bridge and um, I don't know, picnic table, it's just all going to be wind turbine blades that are across the whole world to, you know, get rid of, um, get rid of a meaningful amount of this stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see it as a scalable solution. <laughs> and I mean, they are, they are pretty much totally inert. A lot of, um, you know, like anti, um, <laughs> clean energy types try and say that they're toxic, it's it's totally rubbish you know like they're, they're inert they're going to look exactly the same if you dig them up in 50 years they're going to look the same as they they do now and yeah that does sound like to me it's not not a problem like instead of thinking of it as landfill just think of it as you know long-term storage you put them put them there and wait until we have the technology yeah. to <laughs> properly recycle them in a way that's actually you know got good environmental Phil, i'll give you another story from the state of the the great state of wyoming so if you've ever driven out there, so if you've driven in Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota, man, Utah, call parts of Colorado, you'll see snow fence, right? So snow fence is designed, it's, it's on the edge of the right of way so that when that wicked wind blows, it doesn't create drifts across the highway. Why not use wind turbine blades for snow fence? Then you can use hundreds of miles of them. I'm filling out the LLC paperwork yeah. right now, Joel. We're, we should right. be in business so, by so tonight. So I want to go back to the beginning of this conversation <laughs> for Rosemary. So here's a thought I was having while you were kind of running through your first uh, – the chatting about the six factories over in Europe and, and those things. So as the Reliablade, the Zebra Project, all these things are uh, put in these – these the resin – or the, the, the resins that are optimized for recycling together right now. So what it was RWE that installed the, the recycled blades already? Was it just this this fall? So that was on that the casket C or something yeah. like that in Germany. So now they've installed those now. So their lifespan is twenty years, twenty five years. So even if they're building these six factories that can break these turbines down as we as we have them today, if a turbine was installed today and it wasn't a, a recyclable blade, you have 20, 25 years of the possibility of these factories operating. 
how does someone justify the capex to build these factories understanding that in probably 25 to 30 years they're going to be either have to be repurposed for something else or they're just going to be shut down because everything else is going to have this new recyclable resin technology in it so how how does a company i think that sounds like a good a, a good duration for a factory doesn't it i mean um wind turbine blade no. factories that were built 25 years ago were not they're not still operating close to, you know, they would have been in that case built to do what, like 10, 15, maybe 20 meter blades. Um, so if they do still exist, then they've had to build whole new facilities on top of them to deal with today's blades. I, uh, to me, that doesn't sound that um, that wrong uh, of a yeah project duration. And bearing in mind that it's not like, okay, so the first, the very first turbine um, with the very first three recyclable blades has been installed, it doesn't mean that from next year, 100% of blades are going to be right. made yeah, that way. Correct. It's going to be a changeover. And, yeah. and until people start mandating that you, have to, <laughs> that you have to do it this way, I don't think it's going to take the, the bulk of the market. Um, and I, I would expect that still five years away. Um, I don't know, but that would be my guess. Okay, so if we, if we do an average of 36,000, divided by five tons that's 7200 blades per factory per year divide that by three that's 2400 turbines or the blades per factory per year that's only that's 14,000 turbines per year for those six factories to be able to process if they're running at 100 percent capacity which they won't industry capacity today those six factories handle every blade that comes up or that gets that, that pulled off of a turbine the answer to Joel's question about why, you know, snow fences or, you know, any other random thing you can think of, why aren't these made out of wind turbine blades? It's because the cost of getting wind turbine blades to, you know, wherever is more than the cost of buying a new new product um, from a, you know, established supply chain. It's um, whenever I work on these kind of projects that want to recycle um, wind turbine blades or repurpose them into other stuff, that's always the biggest problem um, that, you know, you've got you're decommissioning wind farms at all sorts of random locations. So you have to temporarily go set up some processing plant on site or you have to transport coal blades, which is, yeah. you know, just like ridiculously expensive for an, a nearly mm. valueless um, material. Um, you know, it's worth it. The cost to get the blades there is worth it because you're building a very valuable wind turbine. Um, but at the end of the life, you know, you've got some building product or whatever that's not quite the way you would ideally like it to be, you know, they're curved and then if you slice a blade into pieces, the curve at the root is very different to the curve at the tip. And so that's why you need like an architectural firm with their, you know, 3D, um, yeah. their, their CAD design to be able to slice it up and reassemble it into cool architectural shapes. That's that's what you need. Otherwise, your snow it's just going to be, you know, so, totally, totally wonky and full of holes and, um, you know, not, not really do anything, not to mention the extra emissions from trucking these things, you know, all the way across the country or shipping yeah. them across the world. Like, that's definitely not a good environmental outcome. It just gives people a warm fuzzy from um, <laughs> from thinking that we're not wasting something. Yeah, it's like we were talked about a couple of weeks ago about ocean cleanup stuff when you brought up the points of the emissions from the vessels <laughs> going out there oh, to the, boy, to the plastic go. patch. What is the reality of it, right? China's making blades out of whatever. And I don't see them making recyclable blades tomorrow. S Central America, South America is probably going to make them out of epoxies. Because it, it makes sense. It make, it just makes sense. The supply chain's there. They're going to do it. 
I think you're taking a risk making out of recyclable resin because no one has any experience with it in large scale structural applications. If you have a recyclable method at the end that has proven itself to, to work, then I think you, as a, as an OEM, I start thinking I'm not going to pay for this super expensive recyclable resin when I have a recycling method that I trust and has been validated as being CO2 neutral. I, I go, we're out. We're out of the recyclable resin system. I think I think that's inevitable, right? What am I missing here, Rosemary? You're missing ESG goals. But you have to care about landfill, like for for the climate, um, for net zero. It's not. I I care about the landfill, but Um, I I don't care about landfill. I care so much less about landfill than I care about airfill. You you know, I just don't want to put carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Landfill, if it's well managed, is not. You know, like it's not like. You cut up these wind turbine blades and then micro and and properly put them into a well-managed landfill. Microplastics aren't making it into um, you know sensitive ecosystems from that. They're just they're inertly doing whatever. I think we have Nothing. a thousand bigger problems to put that's, our smart brains onto right. at the moment than um, worrying about you know um, cir- fully circular so economy I- for every aspect of um, energy technologies. Personally. So did I, did, Joel, now, I'm, Joel, I'll let you be the arbiter here. Did I just convince Rosemary that it's okay to stick with old resin systems and to shred up blades? I think I just did that. I heard it. Is, did that just happen? You heard it here. January 19th, wow. 2023, 5.40 p.m. Central Time. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm off for recycling. I, I'm pushing the ocean cleanup even though Rosemary hates me. No, she didn't hate me for it, but she disapproves. She's, she's, she sends me disapproval messages via Slack all the time about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I am for recycling, but I think there's a thing that makes sense, right? And the, the scale and the economy. There's a pragmatic, there's a pragmatic view to it as well. Yeah, you have to know what you're trying to achieve. What, what problem are you trying to right. solve? Um, and recycling doesn't, it's not a climate solution. It's a, a plastic waste solution. And yeah, you have to have a problem with it going into landfill for some other non-climate reason to, to bother is, yeah, my opinion. I'd say run all, well, put them in, put them in. If you're if you're a rancher that has wind farms and they're decommissioning them, line those things up three wide, and take a D10 over the top of them, crush them up, and then put a cap of class five on it. And now you've got a nice road with a stable bed that won't sink into the mud in the spring. Joel, I, you know you bring up this. I wasn't going to say it, but now you you made me say it. I happened to be sitting on an airplane for a couple of hours next to a guy. I got upgraded first class. It's probably one of the few times this has ever happened in my life. So it's Weather memorable. Guard, lightning tech. So I'm sitting next to a guy who, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we're moving up in the world. So I'm sitting next to a guy who does roads. Like they, they do, they do improvement for roads and they were adding glass to asphalt to make the roads not have potholes anymore. And he said, you wouldn't believe how great these roads are. They never had potholes. Kids are out skateboarding, riding their bikes. There's no holes in the road. Thinking, oh, that'd be great because it's expensive. (laughs) Okay. I just gave you a huge supply of chopped fiber. Make your asphalt roads and get rid of my potholes. Two problems. I mean, that's how how you've been making strong concrete for years, right? For hundred years. Yeah. Is is yeah. putting fiber in. I mean, yeah. and it comes in fifty pound bags. Just dump it in and mix it up. It's the same thing. Dump it in. But, but it, you can it, get that that carbon fiberglass. I mean, um, from other industries too. I think wind turbine blades is something like five sure. percent of um, global composite volumes. So it's it's really interesting to me that 
wind turbine blades are the only industry where you you care about what happens to that at the end yeah. of the life and not it's the ninety five percent of the rest of it. It's because clean energy is a political issue. That's why we know this. 